Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. And welcome everybody to this week's Maternity Midwifery Hour. Uh, my name's Sue MacDonald and I'm the curator for the Maternity Midwifery Hour and the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals. And it's my pleasure to be chairing the session this evening. And I'm joined by my lovely guests here, Amina and Alicia. And because we always do, I'm going to put them on the spot and ask them to share a moment of the week. So we'll start, I think, with Alicia. Oh, you're putting me right on the spot. Um, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I think my highlight of the week was actually getting to speak at um, the parliamentary launch of the Saving Babies Lives Progress Report on Monday. I've never been to Parliament. Um, when I was asked, I was in disbelief, really. I thought, me? Okay, I'll do it. And I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell anybody until maybe Sunday because I just... Yeah had this belief that something would happen to interfere with it. <laughs> but um it happened and it went well and I was felt really well supported. I don't like public speaking, but I got through it and that was the highlight of my week. Wow. And it's a fabulous place to speak as well. Yes. Because of the history there and mm. it but it's quite um inhibiting in a way. So big well done to you, Alicia. Well done. That's fantastic. Now, how about Amina? Do you have a moment of the week to share? Um, well, I'm a little bit gutted because um, Alicia's just stolen my moment of the week because I was there with <laughs> you her. Can share. <laughs> you can share. That's okay. So I was going to jump in first because I thought she might do that. <laughs> um, but um, actually, that was that was also my moment of the week was to... So I have been to Parliament before, but actually, I don't think I've ever heard such a heartfelt, honest um and and kind of very real um sort of sharing of of experience but also what what kind of Alicia wanted from that and I think mm. she she it was beautiful to just watch her hold that whole room in her hand and you know um if I, if I get kind of I'm getting tingly now thinking about it but we were kind oh, of wow. taking breaths with her and you know it was it was a, a very beautiful and, and truly unique moment and I think it's an amazing skill that you have that when you when you share your truth um, Alicia that people kind of become so invested in it so um, I I felt like a proud mum which I have no right to be but oh. I, I was kind of like oh beautiful girl you've just an amazing leader and, and you know you've you've just Oh, it was it was wonderful to watch. So I'm I'm going to share in that glory of it a little bit. Better. Well, I think it's actually I think it's very much shared glory. And mm. I think what you were saying a little bit before I'm sharing this with the audience is that Alicia was saying being at Tommy's is like being in a family. And I think you've just illustrated what we need to really cultivate the the kind of warmth and and sharing and love of working together and and having a common goal that you're passionate about so thank thank you so much to both of you that was so lovely and perfect to start us off with but we'll be returning to our speakers because now i'm going to do my usual little spiel about um 
where we came from, which for, for those new to the maternity midwifery hour, and I know we have a loyal following and they'll be thinking, oh, she's on about this again. But I like to remember because it's it's now three years since we the pandemic started and, and sometimes it's difficult to remember those days now scary and how isolating it was and that was the whole reason we started the maternity midwifery i was really to make sure midwives student midwives maternity care support workers and doulas anyone who and the maternity service actually including mums could have access to information and have some kind of continuing profession development links up with other professionals and in the early days we did talk a lot about covid and the effects it was having on the service and how people were coping with it we went through all the wobble rooms and and those sort of things so i hope there's still some wobble rooms about the place if you have a wobble room you can tell me in the in the chat because i'm interested to see if we've kept some of those really precious things, useful things that were good for midwives and students still, because that, though COVID isn't, was horrible, there were some things that we learned and the practices we've changed and made better. And it would be good to kind of celebrate those a little bit. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Now, remember, everything's recorded. So again, those of you who are new, you may not know this, but everything the Maternity and Midwifery Forum does is recorded. All the festivals, every single session is recorded. All these maternity hours are recorded. And so we've got about 1500 hours, something like that. Loads of loads of presentations. So if you're getting ready for revalidation or you're doing a project or a dissertation or you just want to refresh your knowledge about certain topics, just go to the Matflix website and you can access anything for free. If you want something a little bit more tailored or you, you've got some spare money in your pocket, if any of us have, you could always get a, a subscription, which is really good value because you can get access to all the box sets, which Jenny Hall, Dr. Jenny Hall does, and she puts little extras in like reflective activities and just extra resources to the presentations that can be really useful if you're doing a, a project especially but that's that's all there so just to remind you, you could share we love you to share everything we do as well and i think tonight you might well need to share because it's a very important area and we really need to address it so i do take that on board for tomorrow for next week with your colleagues that'd be really helpful and I'm going to say at this point, thank you to all our lovely midwife colleagues, our lovely students, everyone in the services, keeping everything going and providing care to mums, babies and families at a time that it's very stressful. Because, And I seem to say this all the time, but we are short of staff. We need more people and we need to look after the people we've got, just like our lovely Tommy's family have just illustrated. If we could get that feel in the maternity service all the way through how good would that be right thing of the day okay i'm marching on now this week it's international day against homophobia transphobia biophobia and it's also national baking day and i'm very pleased about that because i did bake my bread this morning it did very well nice bread today it's also mental health awareness week and that, so you'll see a lot on facebook and twitter about that so do dip in to just get some more information and links when you can and it's also black baby loss week 
And this is new. This is a new initiative. And we can hear a little bit more about that shortly. Now, I, I do have to share to you because I'm, I'm still, I'm a bit, my brain's a bit buzzy from yesterday because I was at Midlands Festival chairing. Lovely event. We had nearly 300 midwives and student midwives there. 200 plus watching, which was lovely. And I'm just thinking about the, the ready, ready, steady go um, approach from Wendy and having a having this idea of having a personal advisory group for yourself to develop your career from Wendy um, and the emotional work of being a midwife and Dragon's Den. And we had safety netting. And if you don't know about safety netting, this is a really good tool. And that was Diane Menage. And I think it's worth dipping into if you've got the box set, go and have a look at it. Um, so we had the great Kate Greenstock, we had Wendy Aliwala, Jane Marshall and Diane Menage. It was fantastic. So you might want to just register for the Manchester uh, Festival that's on the 4th, the 4th of July. Now something else that goes on the 4th of July. Ah, oh, yes. Independence, USA independence. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a date easy to remember. Also, on just to remind you, we have those little resources available. I've put uh, one, uh, a little update that we had Wendy Jones speaking a, a few weeks back about Entonox. Um, and there's a new article there that she's pointed me to. Um, and it's, it's, it's very easy to read, but it's also highlighting some of the needs, like, for example, uh, routine testing of staff. So you may be interested to follow that link. Very easy to read. It's not hugely hefty because I know everyone, everyone's very busy. And we've also got the Tommy's 10 year strategy. And that link is also in the resources too. Oh, and hot off the press is the chief midwife, midwifery officer for England's strategic plan for research. That's also on the resource page. And it's also and this you'll you'll know Jane Sandal has something to do with this also obviously um, and it's again it's very straightforward and this is going to shape research within maternity care so do have a look at that when you've got some time and share well and it's exactly 710 how perfect is that and we've been joined by two very special speakers I'm really pleased about this and we're exploring baby loss and supporting in particular this evening black and mixed black women and i know that Alyssa and amina are probably going to explain that a little bit more because this is an, an area we, we've become very aware that black and mixed black heritage women in the uk experience pregnancy infant loss at higher rates than their white con counterparts and um, just as they are more likely to suffer morbidity and mortality themselves. And we need to really knock this, get, get, get hold of this. Um, and Tommy's baby charity have, have established a support service for black and mixed black heritage women. Um, and we're going to hear a bit more about that now. So I'm going to start and I'm going to, in, I'm really delighted to introduce Alicia Burnett. Um, She's a registered midwife, and some of you will have heard Alyssa speak before. She's a lovely speaker, lovely midwife as well. And she's working at Tommy's Baby Charity. And when she was a trainee midwife, she was the first student editor-in-chief, the student midwife. 
So she's shined, uh, she shone early, sorry. And she's written about the needs to decolonize midwifery in the wider healthcare curricula. And Alicia launched the Black Baby Loss Awareness Week, which, so it's brand new, and it's an awareness event which aims to improve black communities' awareness of support services for women, birthing people, and families affected by pregnancy and baby loss. So welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much for coming this evening. The screen is now you, yours. Thank you very much for having me, Sue. Um, I first appeared on Midwifery Hour as a student, as you just mentioned back in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, so actually it's nice, it feels like coming home in a way, um, now that I'm back as a registered midwife. Um, I don't have a PowerPoint this evening. I'm not, I, I'm telling my story, so it's coming straight from my heart. Um, I'm not able to write that down or find pictures to go along with my story because it's my own. So I'm just going to speak to you as I am and as my story is and was. So as Sue said, my name is Alicia Burnett. I'm a midwife, but I also like to describe myself as the proud mother of a rainbow baby and an angel baby, because that is, that is what I am. Um, I, I am bereaved. I had a son, I had a beautiful little boy. I lost him when he was six months old. I won't go into the complications that led to his led to his loss but I'm going to share with you the impact that he had on my life over the very short time that he was with us. So I began my midwifery training in 2017 and one of the first things your lecturers tell you after they've shown you where the library is and what textbooks you need to buy. One of the, because midwifery is a predominantly um, female profession. So one of the first things they told us is we advise you very strongly not to get pregnant while you're on the course to avoid having any interruptions. So I nodded and I listened and I was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got pregnant in March. So I started the course in February, <laughs> the very next month I conceived my son. Um, and my lecturers, they know it happens even though they say don't get pregnant it's not the best thing you know to try and delay it if you can when you do fall pregnant and this is to any student midwife out there if you are currently pregnant don't worry you're not, you're not going to be yelled at you're not going to get kicked off the course they're midwives for goodness sake it's literally their job is to care for pregnant women and pregnant birthing people so don't be afraid to disclose your pregnancy because you can get extra additional support and you will need it so that's just that. So yeah, got pregnant. Um, I was fine during my pregnancy, but my son was not. So it was a very high risk pregnancy that required me to have a cesarean section for his safety. So my uni were really understanding. I had to go to extra scans, extra appointments that, that they were really accommodating. He was born in November, 2017 my little boy and he lived his life six months of his life in neonatal intensive care and i remember my partner and i we were given accommodation very close to the hospital so we can go and visit him at two o'clock in the morning if i needed to see him or if there was a problem and if there was an emergency we needed to get there quickly so i'm really really grateful for that 
unfortunately, and he was a fighter, the condition that my son had, um, I was training to be a midwife. My mother is a nurse. She was a nurse. She's retired now, but she was a nurse. And we would read all the literature about his condition and try to find some inkling of hope that some babies do recover and some do, but his condition is very, very severe. And there was no literature about a six month old with his condition that was still alive. It didn't exist because it doesn't happen. And that just shows me how much of a fighter he was. His name was Micaiah Jelani. Micaiah means who is like God. It's a question. It's, it means God-like. And for me, it meant that who other than God is to determine his fate. I was offered the option of termination for medical reasons. And I couldn't. I already, I couldn't. I couldn't. I just couldn't. And that's why we named him Micaiah, because nobody else but God, we felt, had that power to make that decision. And I know that many families do make the decision to terminate, and I support them wholeheartedly. Every family has to make the right decision for them. It, it, and that can matter from, that can be from pregnancy to pregnancy, you can make a different decision. There's no judgment here on my part. We're all parents, we're all mothers, we're all fathers. And sometimes life is hard and you have to make very difficult decisions. So I made that decision on his behalf, continued with my pregnancy. He was born, we had our time with him, but unfortunately we couldn't overcome he couldn't overcome. So he passed away in May 2018. And the day he died, the day he died, I lost myself. Before I became his mother, I had been a student midwife. While he was alive, I was his mother. When he wasn't alive anymore, who was I? So I remember tears rolling down my face on the phone to my course tutor a lovely woman named Helen Crafter if any of you know Helen Crafter please tell Helen that I say hello and that my daughter I've had a daughter now she's fine she's the most precocious little thing you'll ever meet <laughs> she's absolutely fine yes yeah, so um I was on the phone to Helen and I was like Helen he's gone He's gone. I have to come back. There's nothing for me. Please, can I come back? And I remember I had to have a meeting with the program lead and with Helen. And they spoke to me just to assess how I was. Was I ready to come back? And they let me come back onto the course. So he passed away in May 2018. And I went back to the course in September 2018. But because I'd been off for about a year, I was rejoining a different cohort. My original cohort, February 2017, were gems, absolute gems. Because I knew that my son would be born very unwell, I didn't buy him any baby clothes. I didn't decorate a nursery. I didn't plan a baby shower because I was always reminded with every appointment, your risk of stillbirth is very high. My mother would tell me, don't get your hopes up. You don't know what's going to happen. Don't buy anything. It's bad luck. So I didn't make any plans. I just took everything day by day. And I remember the day, my last day before I went on maternity leave from the course, I didn't really feel that great. I didn't really want to go in, but um, one of my friends kept nudging me. You're coming in, right? I was like, yeah, okay, fine. So <laughs> I went in and then I saw them squirreling around. I thought, what's going on here then? I walk into the classroom and they've put on a full-blown baby shower. There's food, there are presents. 
they all sat in a circle around me and told me really lovely things. And they gave me these little beads that got turned into a necklace that I still have to this day. It was really beautiful. But because I came back to a different cohort, it was just, it was completely different. Uh, nobody knew what had happened. All they knew is that I was the new girl um, who's come out of nowhere, dropped out of the sky. <laughs> um, and of course, I was asked the question, um, why did I step off the course? And I'd given no thought to what I would say when I was asked that question. So I was just honest. And it never occurred to me that me being honest could, I don't know, cause somebody else to, to stop in their tracks because that was my reality. That was what was I what I was living. But to another person, it's very, very hard and difficult and sad to hear that a child has passed away, a baby has passed away. So it was a very negative experience for me. I felt ashamed. I withdrew into myself and I didn't really speak about my son for maybe six years. Only with very, very close family. Until last year, October, I was invited by Dr. Claire Feely to speak at a conference that she had conceived herself, that she um, was um, putting on in affiliation with um, Maternity Forum, um, with MMF. And I spoke about my experience of being pregnant and giving birth to my, the daughter that I now have. So I gave birth in October 2021 and I spoke about my maternity experience, but I also touched on my experience of baby loss. And that was the first time I'd spoken so openly and so honestly about my boy. And it was freeing. I've been locked inside myself for a long time and it was really freeing. It was a release. And then I got a job at Tommy's the following January and my job primarily is to work on the support service, a special support service that Amina will be telling you about later on. So what it is, is it's um, an email and telephone helpline that is specifically reserved for black and black mixed heritage women. So they can call us whether they've, whether they're pregnant, whether they've had a, whether they've had a pregnancy loss, if they're planning a pregnancy Regardless of whether they've had a loss, they can also call us then because we know that black women have poor pregnancy outcomes. So Tommy's has taken the initiative. And I'm going to, Amina has had a lot to do with that, actually, by the way. Amina. Whoop, whoop. So, yes, yeah, so Tommy's has this service primarily for black and mixed black heritage women. And that's um, my main job, supporting those women. And a lot of the women that I speak to have had losses. And they are either pregnant after loss or they are currently experiencing a loss or they have had a loss and they're far too afraid, too frightened and too traumatized to try and to try again. And I would ask them, have you received this support? Have you received that support? Have you heard of this charity? Have you heard of that charity? Have you spoken to this healthcare professional? And a lot of the time the answer was no. I don't know what that organization is, who that professional is or what what you just explained to me the care I should have received and that is not what happened and it led me to think it led me to feel that we already know that a lot of black women and mixed black heritage women are failed by maternity services it led me to feel that we are also failing their babies we are failing their families because they do not have any awareness of the support that is available once you lose a child. 
when you lose a baby and you lose a pregnancy, you need support because a part of you is now missing and you will never get that back. So you need support. You need a suit of armor to put on to prepare you to continue your life. That is what you need. And you get that through accessing support. But a lot of the women that I speak to, they are unaware. So I thought, what can I do in my capacity as now a Tommy's midwife and now as an unbound, an unbound free person that is able to express my grief, that is able to express the feelings that I now have openly. And I thought, well, I want to do something. I'm going, I want to create an awareness day. I can do that. I'm, I know how to use Canva. I have an Instagram account. I can do this. But I was frightened. I was still frightened. My experience of being shunned or and being, my experience of being shunned for being bereaved really does still live with me. So I was frightened. I was afraid. But I did it anyway. Because <laughs> that's just what I do. Um, I did it anyway. Uh, so now I have founded Black Baby Loss Awareness Week, which is which runs from the 15th to the 19th of May. So it started on Monday and it is a series of five days that have five different themes. So the first theme for Monday was why does Black Baby Loss Awareness Week matter? Day two was cultural aspects of grief within black communities. Today is day three and it's about um, baby loss support services. And today especially is for me to just really signpost and shine a spotlight on all of the various support organizations and professionals that exist. I'm telling you this because that is absolutely my intention. I've been very busy today, so I haven't been on Instagram as much as I wanted to be, but um, that is what's going to be happening on the page today. And tomorrow we are talking about how to talk about baby loss because that was a really important topic and theme for me because Either you think about it too much or like me, you don't think about it at all and you just blurt it out and then the worst happens and then you don't talk about it forever and ever, amen. So, um, and then Friday, we're talking about life after loss, which was also very important to me because I feel like I have gone on to live after losing my son. I don't feel like I lived for a long time, but now I feel like I truly am. So that is Black Baby Loss Awareness Week. We are only present, we only have a presence on Instagram currently because it's just me. I'm only one person and I have a very small child that is, has lots and lots of energy. Um, so yes, so we are present on Instagram. The Instagram handle is at baby loss, at black baby loss awareness. And on there you will find, as I said, signposting to different organizations. You will also find Instagram lives now. I don't know. I, I feel like I have this. Things just tend to drop out of the sky sometimes for me and land in my lap. I'm not a very strategic person. I'm quite chaotic, actually. So um, these Instagram lives, I've managed to connect with people that I wish I had known when I first lost my son, because there are some fantastic, brave people out there, some fantastically brave women, men, families just amazing and organizations that I wish I had, had 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 access or knowledge of when I was having my experience. So on Monday, I spoke to a fantastic woman named Keji Moses. She's a bereaved mother. She has experienced miscarriage and stillbirth. And that led her to found Maya's Legacy, which is a charity which supports 
bereaved families to advocate for their needs. Because when you lose a baby, you lose yourself and you lose sometimes the ability to communicate. So she works with these families and helps them, supports them to advocate for their needs. And on Tuesday, I spoke to two other black bereaved mothers. Oh, I can't even tell you. You need to go onto the Instagram page, find the live and watch it. You need to watch it. And I, there was learning, there's learning to come from these Instagram lives. So one of the things that I learned was that the language we use as healthcare professionals, as midwives, obstetricians, healthcare professionals in general can be so cold. So, so, so cold when we are talking about pregnancy remains, when we are telling people that their baby is dead, we are, those words are like daggers. They are like a knife to your heart. And I think as healthcare professionals, we need to embrace kindness. There is no place for callous, cold language when you are speaking to somebody that has lost a child. I very much am aware that we need to document everything that we have said, and that we have to make clear that a baby is no longer alive, but we can do that without using language like your baby is going to die within you in the next two hours. There's no excuse for it. So that's my, my, that's a bit of learning that has come out of just that one Instagram live. I would recommend that you go and watch that one in particular. And then this today, I had an Instagram live with, Honor, with Donna Ockenden and a lovely midwife that's working in Nottingham. So Donna's chairing the Nottingham Review and all the midwives here, especially the academics, will know that a criticism that the Shrewsbury and Telford Review received was that the voices of black and brown families was not represented. Donna heard your criticisms and she's responding. So she's working with M Gemma Poole, who is a midwife working in Nottingham, to reach out to the black and brown community and bring them into the review so that their voices are represented and that their views and experiences are reflected in the findings of the Nottingham Review. So that's what I did today. I also went to, it feels like I'm talking about somebody else's life. <laughs> I'm so busy. I've done so many things in such a short space of time. But I did all of this because I want to reach as many people as possible. If I have to get out of my bed at 6 a.m., while my child is still breastfeeding and brush my teeth while she's still breastfeeding and to get to where I need to get to so that I can do the work that I've committed myself to in the name of Black Baby Loss Awareness, we can't do it. Because if it means that somebody else that looks like me, that has been through what I've been through, gets the same care, love and support that I got, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. I'm just looking at my notes here to see if I missed anything. I don't think so. I told you a lot. That was a lot to process, I know. I'm sat here with my spangly earrings and red lipstick and I look like, I don't look like what I've been through, but I've been through it. And it's because I've had support that I can sit here with a big smile on my face and feel joy, joy and fulfillment in the work that I'm doing because I know that this, this is life-changing work. I cannot bring their babies back. I wish I could. I wish I could, but I cannot. 
But what I can do is make them aware of the support that is available because there is a lot available. There are a lot of charities, professionals and services doing some brilliant work, but there is a gap. There is that missing link and they're missing a, a whole demographic. The demographic that is the worst affected, by the way, they're missing out on all of the care and support that they could and should receive. If we believe in equitable access to healthcare and support, something needs to be done about that. And actually, I'm going to be quite bold. And I'm not saying this as a, <laughs> if you just saw the look that Sue, that Sue gave me. Um, I'm not saying this as a Tommy's midwife. I'm saying this as me. I really, truly believe that every organisation that offers support to bereaved parents and families needs to have something whether it's a webinar, a monthly webinar, a workshop, monthly workshop, support group, whatever it is, targeted at the Black and mixed Black heritage community. That also needs to happen for the Asian community because they're right behind us in those mortality statistics. I, if I speak, because what are we doing? What are we doing? We know the statistics. We know the data. The data is not new. And you guys have the capacity. You're doing amazing work. And if you want to reach out for me to support you to do this, I will. I will. I'll bring my kid if I have to, because this is such important work. Please take the example of what Tommy's is doing and also take the example of Sands. They are doing the work. They are doing the work. Just take them as an example. Nobody, nobody's judging you. If you don't know, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. But please know that I'm here. I'm here to support. I'm here to put you in contact with these communities because I don't know. It's it just not, it doesn't come easy to me. But it kind of comes easy to me. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm good at making connections, and I'm so happy to connect you with black and brown communities wherever it is, wherever you are. That's my offer. That's my offer of help. And I think it's a lot of these organizations have been so receptive to what I'm trying to do. So receptive, so eager to help. They want to be involved. We love what you're doing. Please, can we help? I had so many offers of help, but I, I, as I told you, I'm very chaotic. I thank you for wanting to help me, but I don't know how to tell you how. But a lot of these organisations, and I'm going to name them, the Ectopic Pregnancy Trust, Bliss, Lullaby Trust, of course, Tommy's, of course, Sands, the Miscarriage Association, and all of the, the, the smaller charities that support families affected by bereavement and child and baby and pregnancy loss. They've all offered to help. They do want to be there for the black community, but there is the missing link and I'm happy to be that missing link. I'm bright and shiny enough. Just use me. <laughs> um, I don't know how much more time I have left to speak, but I think I've finished. I think I've said enough. <laughs> you might need a short break, Alicia. <laughs> so that's my story. That's why Black Baby Loss Awareness Week exists. Please engage with the content, share it. I love when you guys leave comments during the Instagram lives. You keep me going. I'm not going to stop. This work is far too important. Mm -hmm. I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. I really do feel that now. I found my, my life's work. 
and my purpose. And I found that through my son. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Alyssa. And I think that's a, a, a huge testament to, to Micaiah. Yes. Isn't it? How fantastic. And thank you for sharing this because it's very, it is obviously painful and it will always be so. And having someone like you coming out and actually, and, and really doing the actions that need to be done and showing, showing the way is fantastic. The only thing I'd say is I, I don't quite get Instagram. So I'm feeling a bit frustrated now and I'm waiting for you to get onto some of the other platforms, but I know you will. I will. Because that's you with your, your passion and your energy. So thank you so much for now. We're going to give you a little break and we shall move to Mina. Now, if you have any questions for Alicia, I know she'd be very keen to answer them. So just pop them in the chat box now and we shall move to Amina. We'll let Alicia have a little rest now after that. Wonderful. Thank you. So I'm, uh, Amina, I'm delighted now to welcome Amina Hatia. 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 I knew I'd get it wrong. Now she's a midwifery manager at Tommy's and currently works as an antenatal care specialist midwife in the NHS and as a research midwife for Imperial College London, focusing on accessibility and equity in lactation services. So she's got a few hats to wear here. Um, she's passionate about ensuring everyone has equi equity of access to the knowledge that can impact their pregnancy, birth and postnatal journey. However, that they, they need evidence-based, compassionate and person centered care so amina thank you so much for coming this evening the screen is now yours thank you so much um for inviting me and um what, what a person to follow i feel like um that's a little bit unfair <laughs> um, i should have gone first again um but um you know, I've got a I've got a PowerPoint presentation, but before I bore you all to death with that, I I think what Alicia has just explained is what was behind our thinking for the specialist support service that we came about at Tommy's. So it's like Alicia coming along um, to Tommy's and saying, "I'm going to do Black Baby Loss Awareness Week," and we all went, "How's this not already exist? And why is this only just happening in 2023? And like, why hasn't this already existed? And why don't we know about this?" That that was kind of the the energy that she has brought to our team, and we are incredibly privileged and lucky to have her as part of our team um, at Tommy's. The specialist support service that we started at Tommy's. Um, came from very similar thinking. Um, I think everybody here and, you know, everybody, I hope, are aware of the inequity in um, maternal outcomes, but also in baby loss that um, women from Black or Black mixed heritage backgrounds and birthing people from those backgrounds face. Um, and we had got to a point where as a team, we were aware of it and we were discussing it and discussing it. And then it gets to a point where you go, we know, um, I've been a midwife for 18 years, I've read the Embrace report for those 18 years, and I have seen those statistics for 18 years, this was not new information, this was not something that suddenly happened during COVID, this was not something that has come out of the blue. But for too long, it felt like 
everybody was saying, oh, it's terrible, but not much was happening with it. Now, we're a small team. We're not a huge, wonderful cog that is NHS and this great machine that when it works, works beautifully, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, but we're a small team. But we knew we kind of we were passionate about doing something. And like Alicia said, we were frightened of doing the wrong thing. We didn't want to take missteps and that. And sometimes that kind of paralyzes that fear paralyzes you and you you kind of go, no, no, well, well, somebody else should do that. It's a really good idea for somebody else to do. Um, we were very, very lucky that we were working with amazing organizations like Five Times More, who are um the best best friends you need when you are setting up a service um, like we were doing because they would push us and they would prod us and they would ask us the questions that we'd have to go oh yeah okay let me go and think that one again and they would hold us to account and um would constantly and again a bit like Alicia I don't know where the energy comes from but constantly advocate on behalf of Black women and women from Black mixed heritage backgrounds about having a service that was true, that was um, rooted in wanting to address equity and not something that was tokenism. So it's, it felt big. It felt very big. I'm not a Black woman. I come from uh, South Asian heritage. I'm a Muslim woman. I've, um, like Alicia, I'm a bereaved parent and um, Unlike Alicia, I didn't have great care, which impacted um, my kind of journey, kind of going forward. And I came about working in this space almost slightly accidentally because I didn't, I wasn't going to deal with grief because grief was terrible and I didn't really want to deal with it. And I was going to put it in a box, like you say, and leave it. And I was going to be a midwife. And then suddenly it just catches up with you and you kind of go, oh, okay. So this is what I'm doing now. And this is what I talk about a lot. So it was that was kind of the thinking behind what the support service so we have um tommy's has been running a support service um for a while tommy's i should put my presentation up bear with me a second whilst i attempt to do that it may all go horribly wrong so i hope you can all see on the screen can you can see that fantastic and um, what am I trying to do here? Okay, um, brilliant. So this is just kind of giving you our whiz through this. So um, Tommy's um, Tommy's charity, in case people don't know about it, exists to prevent the avoidable tragedy of baby loss. So since 1992, Tommy's have established four research centres across the UK dedicated to preventing uh, miscarriage, preterm births and stillbirth. And what we do is we translate this research directly into clinical setting through our specialist on-site clinics, which provide state-of-the-art care and um, treatment to um, people who kind of need to access it. Um, it's amazing when it works. Um, I have worked at Tommy's for coming up to um, seven years um, and it's, it's, it's that part of midwifery which um, kind of you know holds a very special place in my heart where I get to have a phone call with someone and right at the darkest moment I'm able to just sometimes be that little chink of light to say there is hope for you like Alicia said it doesn't have to end like this for you this doesn't have to be 
where your your pregnancy or your parenting journey ends and being able to do that has been a real privilege so under the care of our centers outcomes for the people are with um complicated or more complex pregnancies are significantly improved for example we can report a 21 percent reduction in preterm births at st thomas's hospital in 2018 alone against a uk and international trend of increasing premature um, birth rates um, since 2010, we've decreased the average stillbirth rate in the Manchester region by 32%, um, although currently in the UK, every year 60,000 babies are born prematurely. So even with the very best care and support in specialist hospitals, sadly many preterm babies um, do not survive into childhood, as Alicia has said, and for those that do, many more will be met with a lifetime of health challenges. And heartbreakingly, I think everyone is uh, sadly aware that 3,000 and families each year in the UK face the devastation of um, stillborn baby. It's something that most people know about. It's kind of a universal Me Too moment that if you haven't been affected by baby loss, you'll know somebody who's been affected by baby loss. And that is one of those truths that we hope um, didn't exist. Now, there's a lovely, very complicated graph on the screen there, which explains what we do with our research and how we do, um, how we work on it and how equity is um, at the heart of um, everything that we are doing. Um, and research informs and leads onto evidence-based guidance, and we hope to impact, for example, NICE guidance. So we did a um, piece of research into supporting people who are experiencing recurrent miscarriage that then led to the PRISM trial that then led to um, NICE guidance on um, supporting people who were bleeding in pregnancy who had already experienced miscarriage. Um, and as Alicia and I will tell you, it's something that we hear again and again from people that they've come to Tommy. So it's great to be able to kind of see that evidence um, in practice as well. But um, I realise I haven't got much time, so I'll move on to kind of talking about the specialist support service. So Tommy's have always operated a helpline service that offers advice and support on um, any aspect of the pregnancy journey. However, what we did realise was that not everyone was aware of us and that we knew we weren't reaching those most affected by adverse outcomes in maternal health. Black women, women from Black mixed heritage backgrounds, women from South Asian backgrounds, women who didn't feel like Tommy's was necessarily a place for them. And it's something that I was very passionate about. The team that I work with uh, were incredibly passionate about addressing that. But like I say, what can we do? How can we support people? So in order to address this and ensure that the services we offer, the expertise that we have in our team of 12 specialist midwives with a range of expertise um, that covers the whole pregnancy journey um, and each of us have our unique experience of um, working in the NHS was being accessed by everyone. We set up the specialist support service specifically for women from um, women and birthing people from black and black mixed heritage groups. Um, like I say, we questioned ourselves a lot. We asked um, for a lot of input. We had amazing input from people on what we should be doing, how we should be doing it, what would work and what wouldn't work. Um, and then we kind of took a big deep breath and um, started service. And and actually the take up has been amazing. Um, I, I heard um, Alicia say at um, one of the many parliamentary events that she's been at this week, um, saying we're not hard to reach and absolutely um, it's that 
maybe we weren't trying hard enough, we weren't looking in the right places, we weren't asking the right questions. In the four month period um, since we launched the service, so it's been going on a little bit longer than that, um, we had within a four month period 104 requests for one-to-one callbacks, we managed to do 94 of those one-to-one contacts with people and most of our calls last about 60 to 90 minutes long and um, we offer a range of either on the phone, we can do it over Zoom, whatever kind of works best for people. Um, And you can see the feedback there um, on the screen about what people kind of found with it. Um, As somebody who kind of initially was taking the majority of those calls as our team was kind of waiting to be expanded, that was what was kind of amazing from from my viewpoint as a midwife speaking to people and just people saying it's good to be listened to it's you know it's often the first time i feel like i can talk about this um if i give you an example i was working on the specialist support service today and i had a call with somebody who had called twice earlier so this was her third call back with us um and i was checking in with her because i knew she had a scan um and we'd agreed that we were going to do that and i called her back and she said i'm you know she told me heartbreakingly that sadly she'd had a miscarriage we talked about what had happened um and then i said can i help or you know do you need another week or two what do you need and she said well you know when can i try again because i don't know because nobody's told me and what does it mean and you know what what can I ask for? What what am I allowed to ask for from my GP? What what am I allowed to do now? Um, and I just saw that face you made too, and that's exactly how I felt as well. Women questioning their bodies, women questioning their ability to make these decisions that they shouldn't have to, because sadly the care that they've received isn't necessarily not compassionate, but there isn't someone there to really delve into. There's not that curiosity you need of, have I answered all of your questions? Are you leaving this clinic right now with all of those questions that you need answered? Or are you going away and you're going to go home and sit there and think, can I try again? Should I try again? Is it safe? Isn't it? And you don't know who to ask those questions of. And we had a lovely long conversation. We talked about the different pathways. I don't have the answer. I don't believe it is my role to tell people what to do. But here are all of the kind of varieties of pathways that you could explore, um, what exact words to ask when speaking to your GP if you want to ask for certain blood tests. This is the name of the blood test. This is what it does. This is how you ask your GP for it. That means so much. You know, when she ended the call, she was, thank you so much. I kind of feel like I can breathe, which was lovely to kind of hear somebody who'd been holding their breath since she'd had her miscarriage last week being able to do that. And that's what the specialist support service is it's you know i keep saying to people it's not rocket science it's talking to people it's listening to people it's being curious to get beyond just are you okay and ending that phone call to say do you have any further questions is there anything more that i can help you with being able to offer that service to people who have faced the greatest inequity in maternal outcomes, who face um, two times um, higher increased risk of a stillbirth and pregnancy loss. Um, Women and birthing people who often feel like they can't ask these questions because there's so many biases working against them is so heartening and powerful to us as midwives who have been able to offer this service as well. I have learned 
more in the six months than I have learned in many, many years of midwifery. And when I go into my NHS role, I um, my appointments are now off the scale and um, I run at least an hour behind on everything because I keep asking questions. I keep saying, is there anything else? And then often, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like, they were literally about, they had the door and the handle about to leave the room. And I said, are you sure you don't have any further questions? I sat back down again. We had another half an hour conversation. But gosh, you know, at a time, I think Sue, you mentioned earlier about, you know, it's a hard time to be a midwife and it's, I, I leave with a spring in my step because I've done what I trained to be a midwife for. I, that's what being with women is about. And, and it feels amazing to be able to do that. And I wish I could do that for every single midwife out there as well, that you make a change and somebody has left feeling safe, feeling held in that way. So that's kind of our specialist support service. You can see from the feedback, we've had amazing feedback. 90% um, found it very useful, 93% felt very well supported, um, and 100% um, would recommend it. Um, I, if I got very quickly to kind of take you through a case study of somebody who contacted us quite early on in that service, um, this was somebody who had previously had a premature birth at 32 weeks who'd gone into labour at home because each time she'd rang her maternity unit she was told that she wasn't really in labour she ended up having her baby by herself at home it was an incredibly traumatic experience didn't get the follow-up care that she should have was navigating it herself was incredibly incredibly well informed had done as much reading you know as I think your kind of pediatric consultants would be doing on on risk of premature birth and that wasn't her field at all had become pregnant again had a miscarriage at eight weeks so we're talking about grief on grief trauma on trauma um, was pregnant for the third time, 13 weeks pregnant, had called our service and was worried about another premature baby or a late miscarriage because she just felt like she couldn't trust the service because she was not being listened to. And each time she said, I'm worried, was being told, oh, well, you know, we'll get round to that. It, you'll see someone, you'll, you'll get the care and, you know, don't worry about it and it won't happen again. And like Alicia said, sometimes we say that from a point of kindness because we're trying to reassure, but it's not reassuring at all. I need you to hear what I'm saying. I need you to hear I am petrified and I want you to tell me that you understand why I am, why that is and, and giving me the care that I want instead of minimizing it and telling me it's not that, it's not that important. So she called, we had a very long conversation. We talked about um, lots of different things and then with her permission was able to contact the preterm birth clinic that Tommy supports, discussed her concerns with um, the preterm birth um, clinic's specialist midwife there explaining that she would like a second opinion the clinic kindly arranged for her to be seen in person two days later and she had a care pathway so when I called her back two days later this was the email that she sent she'd come back from a scan appointment she had a list of appointments that she knew where she was going why they were happening what they meant if anything happened in between that where she should go what she should ask for and that's what 
she made the biggest point of difference to her. I um, A lovely ending to that story is I spoke to her a week ago and she's had her baby and she is thoroughly enjoying her postnatal period. Um, and, you know, those of us who've been midwives for a little bit longer than we care to share will know that it's hard sometimes to come across that lovely kind of joined up feeling, but God, isn't it amazing? It, it kind of, you know, it's it's the endorphin rush you get from just hearing somebody who, who's come through and said actually I'm sat here with my baby I'm enjoying breastfeeding um and I it was because I felt safe kind of doing in that it was a team effort and it was collaborative working but again just some of that kind of curiosity to be able to do that um, we've learned lots from the four-month pilot project. We initially thought people would want to talk to us just about pregnancy loss because that's what we're known about. Um, but actually, we, we people have been calling us about a whole range of things. Um, sometimes I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do. I think one of the saddest things that I keep hearing again and again is hearing from Black women, um, women from mixed Black heritage saying, I know um, that I'm four times more likely or three times more likely. I'm scared. I'm frightened. Um, and I think that's something that so needs to be explored. How many women are coming into this journey petrified, knowing the statistics because they are out there and, and trying to, they're scrabbling. They're trying to find a way of feeling safe. Um, and they're doing all of the hard work. And us as maternity services, as midwives, as doctors need to step up to that. Lots of women um, really appreciated being acknowledged and understood, um, not not being minimized, not being told, well, no, of course your midwife's not going to be biased again. Of course that's not going to happen, of course. And actually being able to, again, as NHS midwives as we are, as well as being Tommy's midwives, being able to say, I know what services look like at the moment. Let's find a way for you to feel safe and what works for you. Um, and often I found that actually people know the answers themselves, um, but they just kind of um, want to do that. When we started promoting the service, um, we have found that we're getting um, between one to two thousand unique visits to our booking page a day, um, which is amazing. Um, so again, that idea that people are hard to reach and, you know, people won't come to us because we're not the right thing. If you call it what it is and if you say we're here, we're, we want to help, people will come to you. And, and again, it's it's wonderful to kind of see, see that happen happening in um, practice as well. Uh, next steps kind of going forward, it's kind of all the boring stuff that we all talk about. Um, this was an initial project that was funded by the Tampon Tax Project, um, which the funding ended for. Um, Tommy's has um, uh, is committed to continuing the service and have actually expanded our team to be able to do that. We're always looking for additional funding and sponsorship. We're hoping to develop a much more better booking system and actually expand more than just being a service that will kind of, you know, say, I'll signpost you onto it. Um, I recently was at an event where I heard the term no wrong door, which I think was really, really powerful, where we can't keep saying to people, go and try and speak to this person and then leave them there. We need to keep going back and saying, did you actually get to walk through that door? And if you didn't, let's find you another door to do. And I think that that is that's the next step, definitely. Um, as somebody who manages that service to do, which 
you know, from a Tommy's perspective, would be supporting referrals to our research clinics to um, make sure that women from much more diverse backgrounds are accessing the amazing specialist care we have in our research clinics, which will also then increase the representation we have in research because our data doesn't have that diversity that we would like it to have. So that's the end of um, my PowerPoint presentation. I'm going to try and stop sharing the screen and hopefully not break everything, which is um, great to be able to do. Um, but I hope that's kind of you know, explained it a little bit in a nutshell what we do. Please come to Tommy's website, have a look at it. Um, midwives, healthcare professionals, um, tell people where we're there. We're not trying to replace NHS services, and we're very clear in that we are there to support NHS services. We're there to be that person you can go to because you didn't feel at that point you could ask a question or you didn't know how to ask that question. So come to us. Um, we've got the time, we've got the privilege of time to be able to give you as long as you need for us to have on that phone call. Um, and, you know, I I am so lucky to be part of the Tommy's family and an excellent team that are compassionate, that are person-centred at the heart of what we do, um, are the people that we want to do and incredibly curious to kind of go, I don't know the answer, but let me go away and find out something. And Alicia will tell you our WhatsApp group often asks very random questions. I think the highlight was in the middle of lockdown, somebody asking questions about whether orgasms could cause contra contractions at 9am in the morning. And we were all debating that, kind of going, oh, do you think so? Let's have a think about it. Um, kind of going <laughs> we're very very curious um but you know if we don't know the answer we'll find somebody who does fabulous <laughs> thank you mina what a what a what a point to finish on <laughs> <laughs> always a high point <laughs> and i think i think that was I, I mean i'm i'm sort of absorbing what you were saying and i was thinking about the walking to the the closed door because it sounds to me like Tommy's is walking the women to the door. Yeah. Not just sending them. Yes. And that's really important because we can be very confident about going to people because we we know the system. But if you're, and actually, if you're a midwife who's then, then becomes a patient, you kind of step back from being, knowing and having that confidence, I think, don't you? So that would, that was, that's sitting with me in my brain. And also, I think the things that you're talking about is very much safety netting. So have a look at that article by D Diane Minaj. It's the, it's the asking questions and making sure that the woman and the family have enough information to be dealing with what they're doing. And I loved your point about the reassurance because I think it's so easy to say, oh, don't worry. It's fine. Because you wouldn't like it if somebody said that to you, if you're fretting. So thank you so much. You're absolutely fabulous. Now we have some time for questions. We're running over a little bit. Thanks to our lovely Amy in the background is allowing us to do a little bit sneaky extra time. Because we've got some questions. Um, and the first question coming through, I'll start with the first one which is from Lainey Holland. Hi, Lainey. And Lainey says, if we don't truly understand the impact of cultural trauma in black, brown and mixed black women, even before they hit maternity, how do we stay aligned to those ongoing poor outcomes and challenge these health inequalities to change, not just be in the know? So actually do action rather than just knowing. I don't know if that one is one for Amina. Because I know Alyssa's got one after this as well. More. <laughs> I don't know what you start, and then I, I will absolutely improve <laughs> it as well. Because 
<laughs> okay, so this is about understanding the trauma before you can actually address poor outcomes. Hmm. That's a good question. If, okay, I think there's a tendency for services to think that we know what is best for women or whoever is accessing our services. And there tends to be, if we're going to understand who we are trying to serve, we need to firstly co-produce our services with them. There's no point building what you think it is they need. They need to be there with you with the cement and the bricks building the service. That way you will know that you're building something that is fit for purpose. So the only way we're going to know how to address their needs and understand their trauma is if we work together with black women, mixed black heritage women, anyone affected by baby loss, if we work in collaboration with them to co-produce the services. I hope that makes sense. Actually, I think that's beautifully put together, Alicia. That's absolutely working with women. Yeah. That goes for everything. Hope that's answered your question, Lainey. Good question to start us with. Okay, I've got one from Maria. Hi, Maria. And I'm looking away because I have this other screen, very posh here. Um, Alicia, yes. is there anything that midwives did, stroke said to you, that you felt supported you in the best way during your loss? Midwives. The thing is, because my son's journey and our journey was so highly medicalized, I was under the care of obstetricians. But I do know that the fetal medicine team, the midwives in that team were spot on. That's continuity of care. Mm -hmm. I knew who I was going to see every time I went for a scan. I knew the midwife. I knew that there were two or three midwives. And the midwife that gave me the bad news, I saw her for the rest of my journey. So yeah. I don't want to keep banging the drum of continuity of care. We know that it works. We know that it's what women want. We know that it improves outcomes, but we know that the system isn't set up currently to facilitate it. So I, I kind of don't like giving that response, but that is what, that was the support I received. And that is what midwives did for me at that time of my life. And I guess it was the continuity carried into the neonatal unit. No, because um he had to be transferred to a different hospital okay but the midwife there was really good actually so i had a section and oh, what was really good actually i like when maternity and uh, the neonatal unit have synchronicity so the midwife knew to find me in niku i knew where her office was in the same building that niku was in so i could leave my son run down get my stitches taken out and run back up she knew where to find me if she needed to. I knew where to find her because they, the two units talk to each other. So, yeah, I did get continuity in that sense at a different hospital. Fabulous. And continuity between neonatal unit and midwifery. That's fantastic. Thank you. Okay, we're moving on to the next question. I'm moving fast because I know we're very short of time a little bit. And Felicia Pink. Hi, Felicia. Um, says, would the support be available for a family of mixed heritage? For example, a white birthing person, coupled with a black or mixed heritage partner, having a mixed heritage baby. I think that might be one 
would, would Amina, would you like to say yeah, that one? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and we don't want anyone to feel like they, they can't come to us. So the support service that we have, we, we highlight it because we know that that we weren't meeting the needs of the community from black and black mixed heritage backgrounds as well but tommy's is open to anybody who would like to speak to us as well i don't want people to feel like well no i can't reach out to you um we we don't sit there and ask questions of you know we don't have a tick list saying so you know do you have a color chart and do you meet it in that way <laughs> you know we're not we're not definitely not doing that at all um it's for people who like I say, if you, you know, if, if you need to speak to one of our midwives, if you don't know where to go, um, and you, you don't know what questions to ask, that's what we, we're pretty good at. I think, Alicia, you'd agree, we're pretty good at being able to do that. We, we don't claim to have all of the answers, but we are, we are inquisitive enough to be able to go, how can we help? That's where, where our phone calls always start with, how can we help? And that, that, that can kind of, you know, sort of, and, and we, again because we are a charity we have that opportunity of being able to follow up and bring you back and say how did it go is it going okay so absolutely please do contact us we're more than happy to speak to you fabulous 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 okay next one we've got now acos or acos not sure how to pronounce it who says thank you so much Amina and Alicia for raising awareness of the specialist support service please can you provide details of how we can register for the black and mixed heritage service so if you go to the Tommy's website there's a banner across the top where it says um the one-to-one -one booking service um you click on that and it it will just ask you to fill in your details which is your telephone number when you'd like a call back and your email address what your call is about and that comes straight through to us our service operates monday to friday nine to um and monday to friday nine to five um we are busy but we will always make time for you so we might not always get to you on the day that you would like us to but we always email you back and say can't make that day would this day work with um, work for you so it's quite straightforward if you go to www.tommies.org um and i can share the link at some point um maybe if you i don't know how thing works but uh, somebody might be able to share that people who understand technology better than yeah. Yeah. don't type with one finger like i do that I try to <laughs> laugh at me about um um Absolutely, it's it's quite straightforward. If you even if you Google Tommy Specialist Support Service, that that will be able to kind of come up on there. So it's it's not a long form, and and we will get back to you as quickly as we can. Fabulous. I have to say that Tommy's is a fantastic website. Anyway, it's a real fund of lots of information. So that's the place to go to start with. Now we've got Claire um, Elliot who's saying. Uh, we know these figures are dire. There are services being put in place to support and reduce adverse outcomes. However, do we know why there is a greater risk? What does the evidence say? Are the services we're putting in place making a difference to actual outcomes? Now, Claire, that's an enormous question. I I'm not sure. I cannot say that. Alicia will. Yeah. I can <laughs> see the light in her eyes there. Fabulous. That's a fab question. So we know that there are poor outcomes. We've put things in place. Are these things working? That is exactly the question that the um, Saving Babies Lives Progress Report actually addressed. It looked at everything, all the interventions that have been put into place, 
and it's looked um, retrospectively at whether or not all of these interventions have actually made a difference to stillbirth rates, neonatal death rates and miscarriage rates. So I'd really recommend that you give it a read. It's been published by SANS and the Tommies mm. Joint Policy Unit. It was published on Monday, so it should be really easy to find. That's a fab question and the resource exists now. Fabulous. This is hot off the press, <laughs> yeah. just so you know that now, Claire, hot off the press. Okay, um, Barbara Julian said, uh, now this is going to lead into a question I'm going to ask. Alicia, what was the theme for day one? The theme for day one was why does Black Baby Loss Awareness Week matter? My question is, mm -hmm. next year, are you going to do the same theme, theme thematic process? There'll be themes, but they'll be different because, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very chaotic. I couldn't <laughs> just repeat okay. what I did this year. I don't know what they're going to be yet, but they'll be different ones. And I know I feel really terrible, but I haven't focused enough on fathers and I haven't focused enough on young people because you'll be to be a young woman under the age of what, what they're classifying as young these days. Under 20? Under 20, yeah. There's so much stigma attached to being a teen mum. Being a teen mum that loses a baby, the stigma is doubled. The trauma must be catastrophic. So I want to seek out and um, raise awareness of resources for that particular group as well. So that's what I'm going to be doing a little bit this year, but mostly next year. There we go. Got your, your workload next for next year. That's good. Okay, now I'm going to say uh, we've got some comments. Um, Ashley Wilson, hi Ashley, says I'm in the process of organising a fundraiser at uni and my local community for Tommies. Well I'll ensure I spread the word about the support that's out there. That was for actually that, that's what on my list I've written charity. If any of you are out there doing marathons, press ups, skydives goodness knows what this is a fab charity and i think that when you were talking about amina running out of money mm. i know the work will continue but it's very much helped with a bit of cash yeah. so any of you haven't not quite sure what to choose as a charity this is one to choose okay i've got uh, nikki hi nikki who says i'd love to chat to you alicia about your work and supporting bereaved black and brown birthing women mm. or people thank you so much and then we have Lindsay Donaldson, yeah, Lindsay, Alicia said, thank you so much for sharing your son and your story with us. As a bereaved mum myself, I know you'll have taken a lot. You're truly amazing. Thank and for a mum, that's really special. Thank you, mm -hmm. Lindsay. And Jan says, Jan McCarthy says, thank you for sharing your story, Alicia. Bereavement affects us all in different ways. Very powerful to hear your lived experience. I'll definitely link with Instagram take care thank you so much to everyone i always say our lovely what the, i always say two things one this maternity midwifery hour is the fastest hour of my week it goes too quickly but what makes it wonderful is first of all the fantastic fantastic speakers and we've been truly blessed this evening with amina and alicia what a lovely two speakers and two individuals and what fantastic work they're doing for women and families and babies actually because it's, it's also the rainbow babies because they're going to be nurtured if the mums and the and the birthing people and the dads are looked after so thank you for that and also our lovely audience you out there 
Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, and I, I, I hope you found this useful. And again, any of those charity people out there get working on that. So thank you to Amina and Alicia. And also thank you to Amy, who's in the background, making sure all of this is recorded nicely and kept all in order and that you'll get that the, there are some people who like a podcast on an eight at on a Friday morning. I'm sort of gulping at six in the morning. So Amy, make sure that's there for you. So that's fantastic. Thank you, Amy, for that. And Paul, for making sure the questions have come through beautifully. Now, resources will be available and we'll make accessible some of the um, resources that Amina and Alicia have mentioned. So they're hot off the press because they weren't, weren't quite with us in time. That's not a problem. So next week, we've got Sheena Barham in the chair. And, and she's got some guests who will be truly delicious because they always are with Sheena as well. Um, don't forget to book for the Northern Festival, 4th of July or Cardiff, if you prefer, on the 12th of September. And in the meantime, stay so safe and well. Look after yourselves and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk.